This is the Rugby Muscle Podcast, talking all that you need to become the best rugby player you can be. Now here are the Rugby Muscle Coaches, TJ and Alex. Yes, boys and girls, it's TJ here, back again with another Rugby Muscle Podcast, and we are bringing you part two of our interview with Sam Portland, aka Sportland Fitness, strength and conditioning coach at Ealing Trailfinders in the championship. Um, we discuss a bunch of things, including auto-regulation of your training, so how can you can ideally not hit a plateau and also not get too burnt out. Um, we also talk about how the hustle mentality of, I don't know, millennials or just the, this, in this day and age, why it might be a bit counterproductive just to never stop working, um, why it might be important to take some, uh, take a break every now and again, man, just chill, just chill out, man, just, just take some time and chill out. Anyway, before we chill out, we're going to have to get into this, Alex, you ready? Got that on. It's time for the facts of the week. Alex, are you going to give us an interesting fact? I'm going to give you a better fact than the last one, mate. Okay. So, um, do you follow the Huff Post on on uh, social media? No. Oh, okay. Well, I just um, I just went onto my Facebooks and Huffington Post, and their um, their headline is Emma Watson oils her pubes and isn't afraid to talk about it. So, um, so that's my fact of the week, that M. Watson oils the pubes. What? Yeah, that's what it is, mate. Though. Emma Watson oils the pubes. Let me switch the camera out. Can you see that? No, what is it? No, this is a shit fact, Alex. Well, if you're going to pass me your facts all the time, mate. What's that? Give me a better fact than... What? <laughs> all right. Uh, in... Uh... In where was it? We'll go for the one again, but slightly differently. In Kentucky, it's illegal for a woman to walk down the highway in a bathing suit unless she's accompanied by two police officers or has a club. What? That's a better fact. It's illegal for a woman to walk down the highway in a bathing suit in Kentucky unless, unless she's accompanied by two police officers or has a club. Has a club? Yeah, you know, like for whacking stuff. What? What's the? Co- <laughs> yeah. Oh, there law. you go. There we go. Wow, that's an interesting uh, fact. Well, we're back in the fact game. Oh. Oh yeah, We're back in the fact game, Alex. That was good. That was a good, interesting fact. And now that you, we've got all that crap out of the way, I mean, you guys like listening to that, don't you? Uh, we are going to go back into that uh, chat that we had with Sam Portland, and here he is, boys. Right, yeah, Sam, let's talk about your horse pace, mate, because I'm, I'm super interested in that. Okay, yeah, mate. Um, basically, I've got two PASCOs. Um, so I've got dual force plates uh, that can sample up 1,000 hertz uh, data points a second so we can get some really, um, really accurate data. Um, so what I've been doing this season, um, I basically I've got them, I've had them about a year and been experimenting with them and playing around with stuff. Uh, but then I brought them into Ealing. We've been using them to track uh, force asymmetries in car movement jumping and 
hip, hip, hip knee talks for uh, for hamstring injury prevention. Cool. So we um, we collect a, a lot of data. I have to say because I have to do it all manually through uh, through Excel, which is a which is a nightmare. Um, it takes up it takes me about three days to get through everyone. Yeah. Uh, so I'm in the process of uh, finding a web designer if anyone wants to hook me up. I'm more than happy to uh, to, to to bounce on that. But we're looking um, we're looking at quite a lot of variables across the board. But we started off with just trying to understand the effects of um, previous history on asymmetry, um, yeah. and also the effects of just a structured general strength program on these athletes. Um, so we we've we've got our, our last screening week. Uh, where we're going to look at a couple of other variables which is on to next season. But, yeah, you know, we just trying to and, – and I know uh, Matt Jordan had talked about um, his asymmetry stuff and basically capping 15% either side of yeah. um, positive-negative or left-right, whatever. In that threshold, and you're okay. And we, we actually found that that – well, because when we were pushing boys up in pre-season towards, towards our peak weeks of – Mm-hmm. We did find that the guys that had the larger asymmetries were coming yeah. back with lots of soreness, with lots of um, we niggles, and that was the thing. Like coming into a championship club, you're you're dealing with championship players, and these guys have extensive injury histories and very clouded physical performance histories. We had guys coming in mm-hmm. from part and rugby, guys on their way down, guys that have been let go. That's because they've had ankle injuries or uh, ACA. So they're left in the doldrums for a little while. So, and we've as we got into those peak weeks, those asymmetries just popping off like popcorn. It was yeah. just, it was scary. We, for about a week, we were watching these asymmetries come true, and it was nice to know that it was a valid metric. Guys just picking up big one calves and, and bits and pieces, which is also a problem that we have training full time on four G surface. Well, that's the yeah. the biggest influence of an injury is previous injury, right? So, yeah, um, it's important for guys that have got injuries that are already like understanding that there is a potential or uh, a need for them to train completely differently to an extent. Especially if we're talking about doing like single leg, a lot more single leg movements, etc., and building up imbalances or addressing imbalances if you've already had an injury. Um, yeah. What was like the biggest discrepancy you got up to then with that? In oh, terms of left to right, the biggest imbalance that we had. Mm-hmm. Um, or oh, as a percentage, we had six. Oh. How much? Sorry, sixty-four percent. Jesus, that's mental. Yeah, scary. Uh, obviously, for player confidentiality, I can't go in too no, much. No, no, but again, one... it was. One side it was, was 64% stronger than or more powerful than the other. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And think and about think about bringing that onto a rugby pitch and like what the chances are of yeah. you know and obviously in a championship that's a high level as well. You know, they're exposed to a yeah. lot more forces than a lot of other people. So that's a, you know, that's yeah. huge and and the thing is as well this this off the back of this injury this Particular player was clear to play. Was That's deemed crazy. to play rugby. 
So, you know, I'm looking at that and that day comes back and I'm like, excuse me? Yeah. How are we, uh, we going to keep this guy safe? That's crazy. And then, like, off the back of that, you've also got, like, people that don't, that are, like, without that force plate, maybe, maybe they're slightly aware, but they don't think yeah. about it. And then you've got all these guys, especially, like, people that don't have shank for condition coaches and whatnot, that do... You know, all of their lower body work is back squats and deadlifts and maybe leg press, but there's no there's no single leg stuff in there and you think Yeah. You're just not addressing that and that's only gonna get worse. And yeah, and, and the uh, injuries that you can uh, even get from just training like with yeah, that much no, of a hundred percent. And over the years I'm 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 swaying more and more towards a single leg a single leg work primary lifts. Yeah, um, too. because you know, obviously, you, you you've got like a training in terms of central nervous system readiness, but at the same time, like you, I still think that you can you can get enough of a hit clever about how you want to stimulate the central nervous system for your maximal volitional. You can you can still do a single leg, uh, mm-hmm. then you are correct of those imbalances. We can, all these athletes are a product of their past, and sometimes. The best coach, you've got to look at them objectively and go, well, if this, and this is the beauty, of, if this ace are out, then why? Then why does he? Why? Does he... So essentially, it just gives you um, parameters to work towards. So almost, you could say that this kind of work that you're doing now would serve a lot better in an academy or even a young sub, and then yeah. we could and. Um, look after players we see a stronger crop coming through yes no 100% and I do some with my private stuff we do a lot of injury rehabs and we use the force it's a lot with uh, with younger kids um, and guys that have you know we all know someone who's played who's playing semi-pro and he busts an ACL and he tries to come back The provi- unless you've got the money in your pocket the provision isn't great um, and then you, you're working with non-sporting physiotherapists like oh yeah you're you're clear to play it's yeah. like then you yeah, see all or, these or they come at the other yeah. way and they say never never play again yeah you know yeah, it's difficult to find a good anymore. one yeah okay sweet so I have a question on your force plate work it was relevant in what you said I was interested in if you were seeing a change in uh, force between your smaller and larger players now I don't mean as a absolute number I mean in where they're being the strongest given the change in um, lever lengths yeah so so this is this is what my off seasons go to entail of but what we've done over this year is just basically after the health benefits of these force plates but looking at uh greater force production we're looking at who are fast jumpers who are slow jumpers and by yeah. what by that and i think so we're capping 100 milliseconds of of work in uh eccentric greater force production to 250 milliseconds so we 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 know which type of producers these guys are um we're looking at that jump height that versus that versus limb length so we're getting a few bits and pieces, but the, if I was to say that data is very grey at the moment, um, 
that would probably give you a good representation of, of... <laughs> is that down to your sample size or you just haven't got enough well it's it's difficult because we it's, we've got 50 players so good, good sample size we got mm-hmm. but it's for me doing running this alongside the job not me this is an adjunct to what i do it's yeah. it's quite hard to to get it um get it going and really get the most out of unfortunately i'm not doing a PA or whatever um, to to make this happen quicker but we're forward to the and we're looking dynamic strength deficit um and um and that would that will how you're doing your training with them presumably if you if you deficits then you're going to yeah. do something to so let's quickly outline for people what deficit is um you don't have to quote super training or anything but um no. let's just say that if you have a in your volitional maximal and your um maximal that's going to get a big deficit would you, would you say it's correct yeah so it's, it's the difference between the force that you can produce and what you can use yeah essentially yeah we're good yeah. So and then so we're looking at we're looking at that, um, and and that's going to inform programming for next year because we we we're saying we're happy that we've got everyone, we've got everyone safe, uh, and having been our first year in the program, that was a that was a, that was a key key thing for us there. So now pushing, we're going to start layering on the fancy stuff because they can handle it. Decent. Cool. Um, um, would you have any recommendations for people that don't have access to a force plate? Like, how could you? So, maybe going back to these imbalances more than the, the strength deficit stuff. Is there a way that we can sort of try and address imbalances and whatnot without the use of a force plate? Yeah, the, I mean, it's like you can do all the, and we still use them. Crude metrics. Got a bad calf. Uh, do standing leg calf raises mm-hmm. on one leg and do the other and if and then look at the difference then fix the difference yeah um though no, the simple common sense based approach uh, you won't get detail you won't get your rate of force production stuff you won't get um all the all the the nuances of it but what you'll get is you'll get a good idea and please anyone that uh, find someone that knows what they're t- about to help you because yeah. you've got all of your synergistic muscles that if you've got joint centration which is the alignment in the capsule which allows the uh, the joint to function appropriately if that's just out you may think you're weak but just like flipping the uh, circuit board in your house and the light just mm. put the alignment up people again that's so, a really deal for the guys who are more dressed in the really big deal yeah, it's huge. Yeah, for sure. So, like, it's it's the ability just to recognize something. And again, like we have so many people that uh, sort of coach themselves, and that's, I mean, through injuries as well. Like, the amount of stuff I get, um, like either on my email or um, people sliding into my DMs on the Instagram, and they're saying, yeah. "Oh, you know, I've got this certain injury, or this feels weird when I squat," and I'm like. 
you can't just write to some random person on the internet that I mean that doesn't even know who you are or anything about your background and expect like an improvement. It's a long, yeah. long process. Hundred percent. One hundred percent. And uh, it's the professional, and that's why when I alluded to it earlier, protecting the term of strength and conditioning coach because there are charlatans. It's yeah. um, that hurt people more than they help people. Yeah, it's crazy. Like uh, you get people, and they, you know, because you get a few people that think that they can diagnose all these injuries. And um, I'm not even going to. I was going to mention a few names, but I'm not going to give people the, like the recognition just because it's 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 bad public. It's still publicity for them, and I don't want it. Um, yeah. But you get people that think they can like cure you of cancer by doing a squat differently or doing them, you know, and then that's. Like so, I mean that was an extreme example. But any sort of people that thinks they can fix injuries overnight with a thing, it's so beyond the scope of practice for someone doing what we do. You know, yes. that, then oh, it misleads people, and they think that we should all do that, and we're bad now because we can't, you know, we can't repair someone's broken mechanics in a day, and they think that you know actual quality coaches aren't as good as what they are because they don't have this wide scope of practice. But what they don't see is, you know, the thousands of people that go through these, these charlatans or however many people, the bigger percentage of people that go through these charlatans and don't get better. They just hype up the one freak that they've got. Yeah, no, exactly. And realistically, in terms of a sports environment, strength and conditioning is, is not the most important thing. No. No. Well, on that note, let's go on to um, this work-life balance. Yeah. Um, um, we can clearly see that you're spending a lot of time um, doing this stuff. Are you getting stuff done outside? Do you, are they getting enough time um, not doing rugby as well? Yeah, I think I think the players, definitely. They We've got a um, facilitative schedule at the club at the moment and they and they, they get mm. they get time off we listen to them we use the data wisely but in terms of i think coaches need to consider themselves in order to establish a good work life balance and i know brett buff about this and i've gone forward and back a few times via email about having a good work life balance as a coach now but full time at ely got my private stuff um but when it's when it's time to switch off, you switch off. You stop learning, stop trying to learn. And big part of that for me was when I realised that I might get shot, but you have to remind yourself that it's okay not to care because then it allows you to be free what you do. Mm-hmm. So not to say that I don't care about the process of coaching and, and don't care about my job because I do and I'm very lucky job that I am, that I have but if I become too interested in it then then when do you give yourself t- to be you yeah because especially with the internet and every YouTube commenter or Facebook commenter and you know wants a full on five hour discussion to prove that you're right and things like that yeah and it's just ugh oh. Oh mate, like if someone, yeah, if someone contests, I, I genuinely don't, not no. gonna, I'm not gonna get involved in that. And it's I'm not, not because do, you do don't know, or things. this person's won an argument. It's just that it doesn't fucking matter. 
I think yes, is exactly. The, is the big exactly part. because the, 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 the life's too short and the world is too big to, and, to really. And then I think that. this applies a lot to to athletes as well. Like even if you're an amateur athlete, but you think that you should be training like a professional, and you've got it in your head, you know, we've we've spoken about this a few times as well about on recovery, and yeah. And, like chilling the fuck out is the best way of recovering. You know, people yeah. that get home at, you know, maybe they get home at like 9 PM and they've got to be up at 5 AM for the gym the next day, but they get home from work or school or whatever. And then they foam roll for 40 minutes and then they run an ice bath and they sit in that for half an hour. And then they get on the muscle stim machine or whatever, you know, and all of the, yeah. all of these recovery modalities are actually stressing you out. And you know, well, exactly. And, some professional athletes can't train to the level of other. It's yeah. all about capacity and it's all about miles That's in huge. the tank. Yeah. You know, personally, I took a, I just took a all week break from training, from lifting. So much other stuff. I understood that I needed to take that stress out Ugh. so I could push myself forward. But what did, what did Instagram I, say though? Surely, you know, uh, if you're supposed to be a lion, you shouldn't worry about these sheep and, and any other sort of motivational cliches. You got to hustle, hustle, yeah. hustle. What are you doing? Yeah, well, well, there's there's smart hustle and there's dumb hustle and everything. <laughs> and I believe that you know, listening listening to your body is the most and understanding that why if it only takes um, eight units of work to yield out of twenty, uh, then should you do ten units of work? Yeah. You know why? Why are we? Why are we standing dose load response? Why are we not understanding the right stimulus? And the reason yeah. why some people don't understand that is because they they don't they don't know their athletes. They don't hashtag, know their processes. They team no days off. Yeah, they don't know their products. <laughs> you know, and as a person, I know my product. If I if I get home from if I get from home from work and I'm tired, I'm not gonna lift because. I'm, to go training in the evening or I've got to perform the next day at my job so I'm, I'm gonna lift I'm gonna listen to my body I'm gonna switch off I'm 24 and I'm gonna enjoy watching people kicking ass you know yeah. that's and then I'm chilling yeah it's totally true and, and like I was actually me and Alex talking about this literally earlier today saying you know it's all very well people saying that you have to hustle and do all of this but you know if you're not being productive, what's the point? Like people brag about staying up till 1am and then getting up at 4am for the gym. But how productive are you really going to be on three hours sleep versus, you know, someone that had a good night's sleep and then hit a proper session that was probably going to be double as productive the next day. And it's recognizing, I think what you said about work capacity is huge because it's popular to see like, like the rock, you know, for example, is up at 4am and he says he's working off a four yeah. hours sleep. And maybe, maybe he is like, I'm not saying he's yeah. lying, but that works for him. It's not going to yeah. like, he's clearly an anomaly. You know, yeah. it's best and not also, to follow these, all these people. You've got to question what they're putting in their body. Oh. Uh, I, don't, you know, I don't know what like, you're talking about here, mate. I don't know what you but, could be suggesting. And, you know, all the politicians that start, that work off three or four hours a night, they're probably, they're, you know, it's a lot of them die young. They're all yeah. jacked up on amphetamines and they're working crazy hours and, you know, and it's not conducive to anything. You know? yeah, so let's talk, let's talk about auto-regulation training then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 
and, and as well, um, the auto regulation of the coach and understanding that the coach has a has a job to let go and has a job to to take the pressure for himself because saying it to one of the young coaches I work with is when when you're staying late in the office and I've done this and you're trying to watch numbers to understand load when your athlete is at a cafe down the road with his feet having a coffee or having dinner he's doing more um, he's doing more jobs for his recovery than you are and you're just making yourself tired yeah so what are you achieving a result of he's fine the numbers may not look right but you're tired and you'll get back up yeah actually as a coach that's a good point because like i i remember when i was actually actually i was just a personal trainer at the time when i was doing like i was coaching groups of women like through strength and conditioning and stuff but that's how i did my transformations and i would get a text at like 11 p.m on a saturday night saying oh you know what do i do i'm like fucking hell like let me just have my weekend or something you know what i mean and or well, there was a text at uh, six a.m. on a on a Sunday morning once saying, "Oh, why have I why has my weighing gone? Why have I got heavier this week?" And I'm like, "Are you serious?" Yeah, yeah leave it. Out. Yeah, we'll like, talk about it on Monday um, when I see you. Crazy. Yeah, and it, but I think it's a product of what with coaches and and we will get back to that auto regulatory training. But with with coaches, what the industry creates as well. Um, yeah. it creates this horrible beast uh, that you have to you have to do and society as well you have to do this first you have to be the best at that you have to be seen to be doing X, Y, Z in order for you to attain a certain status yeah. therefore you are judged to a certain I think also because then- people enjoy like strength and conditioning like our job is a good job like it's a cool job you get to work with athletes you get to make them better you're working in sport and you're working in the gym amazing so people then get or the employers you know people are paying us get spoiled because they think that we're enjoying it and they take the piss and it's up to you to stand up and say no look you know i want to help as many people as i can especially when you're getting into online stuff like we are you know we want to help as many people we can and whatnot but it's still a job yes and and there's a a, it's a very fortunate job to have and there's a huge responsibility that goes uh, but uh of the auto regulatory training or you know if you've got if you've got a good plan a plan mm-hmm. is only as good as, as as the implementation of it um yeah. so in terms of if you that's the thing within the team sports it's so complex that you've got a you've got to understand what the coach wants from training and nine times out of 10, they don't know what they want from day one to day two. Then to understand the, the girlfriend at home, the, the, the mom that's sick, the kids, then, then you've got to understand how much weight you put on their back for sake to get the stimulus out of them. And like buddy does a great, um, great job of explaining the stress management yes, and, about? yeah and i've i've heard um like um coaches scale back so much that they go into the gym and they they literally do two sets of accessory work and then their weights are done because the load just becomes so high from the, the on field etc that you know to maintain good level of homeostasis they've just got to, got to pull right back so you know it's 
it's definitely an A plus B equals C scenario. It's, it's quite complex, and you need a you need a level head to understand that it's okay not to do things and it, oh. to to yield a greater result. I probably Absolutely. would say that with the general people that listen to this, I'd say it's one of the biggest factors. So we spoke about uh, progressive overload last week, um, but I think one of the biggest factors on like when people hit a plateau and, and stay in a plateau forever is literally backing off, like taking deloads. People are so afraid. I remember when I first t- took a deload, like people get so yeah. afraid of it because yes. they don't understand, you know, that the, you need the yin to your yang and it's yeah, important it's to take residuals. time off. It's understanding training residuals, Yeah, you know, and, and the communication, that's huge. And the communication, that to the athlete is huge. Um, anyone doesn't know what training residuals are, check out Instagram's work or Google training residuals and you'll get a good idea. It's about the, the, um, you hold and retain your ability um, that, you've, that you've worked for uh, in order to uh, develop. Because we can look at training as a way um, measure frequency of training, right? Yes. So we could say, say we hold on to our deadlift, as is a poor example, but say we hold on to our deadlift um, residual for eight days, but do we need to deadlift more often than once every eight days? No, no you, you don't. You can, if you, if you, if you plan according to, depends. <laughs> this is the, because if you want to accumulate good density of work and build up some good tolerance, work then then no i don't i suggest you train every day or deadlift every day but you could be dead every day because then you create a good and putting yourself in the small enough hole that you compensate out is is a good idea but then when you're petition or you're just looking for attention and qualities and you just got to touch every six seven or eight days depending on how uh, and how you feel and Definitely utilizing submaximal strength training methods is so crucial. Athlete, unless, unless you're a powerlifter and you've got a you know you've got a certain, um, stimulation sort of week in your cycle um, in, in 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 prep to your yeah. uh, competition, but otherwise you know submaximal strength gains is all the way. Like work hard when you can work long and it's, be smart doing it. That's like literally the beauty of strength and conditioning and periodization is that exact balance of, you know, working just about hard enough to promote enough of fatigue to get a good response, but not too much that you bury yourself into the ground. And, you know, I said it last week and I'll say it again, you know, if you're, if you're training so hard that you're always fucked, you probably need to train a little bit less hard and deload a little bit more. If you never need to deload and you always feel great, you probably need to train a little bit harder. And yeah, um, and then even the, what you said there is, is the beauty of that we need to make sure that athletes aren't. We're not testing constantly. We're we're training, and there's a huge difference between you know people that you know would say, oh. I don't know, I haven't tested, you know, I, I think I need to test out my one rep max squat to see if I'm getting stronger. But if you've gotten better than what you were, you know, four, five, 12 weeks ago, and you're, you're now doing easily rep, repping out what you could only grind out maybe two or three reps on before, 
guess what? You are getting stronger. You don't need to do constant testing and beat yourself up in order yeah. to find out if you're getting fitter. You know, and it's the right, same well, thing with all let's, of um, Let's summarize this quickly in saying that stress is systemic. So control the stress throughout your life, not just in training. You don't need to be maxing out every week or every other week. You need to listen to your body and maybe auto-regulate your training in whatever way that's going to be, whether it's through uh, velocity, whether it's through what you want to do. Um, mm-hmm. And just don't think about it. Keep yourself under control. Yeah, yes. like yeah 100%. And I think that's a good point. I'd say one more thing on that is understand that uh, a coach is like, me, Alex, like I'm sure, Sam, you have influences of other coaches that dictate what you do. Um, we have other coaches, and the reason that we have other coaches is because in, when you're doing your own training, understand that you're emotionally invested in a different way that you wouldn't be if you were coaching someone else. And I found it time and time again that what I would do for me if I was just programming my own stuff is completely different to what I would do for someone else because I'm not looking at it objectively because I'm emotionally invested in what I'm doing. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah, so you're, you're reach out for others there. for advice. All right, Sam, yeah. let's round this out. Um, where can pe- people find you? Where can people connect, find out more information? You, you shared a lot of good detailed stuff and I'm sure people want to look up uh, the Sportland movement and find out what it's all about. Uh, okay. So um, website, sportland.org. Uh, .uk um, then yeah mm-hmm. um, and then uh, YouTube uh, Sportland Training Ness or Sam Portland Twitter Sportland TNF Facebook Sportland Training and Fit Facebook Sam Portland Instagram Sportland Fit um, and if you find one of them you'll find all of me yeah. um, I'm going to go right now Jill so if you if you shoot me an email through the website um or through facebook i'll be able to back to you um and yeah and going on from there really i'm I'm more than happy to help anyone so yeah and uh on that note i'm gonna actually have to because i've got to go do a private rehab right now so um it's been good speaking to you guys and uh, we'll uh, definitely catch up soon. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, for sure, boys. Well, well, uh, Sam, I'm sure we'd love to have you back on. Uh, Listener, you, the listener, if if you enjoyed all the information that's been shared this week, man, uh, get in touch, reach out to us, and we'll definitely get Sam back on. We'll get some more detailed stuff in there. Um, Hopefully you enjoyed listening to this. If you did, go ahead, go to iTunes, give us a five-star review. And until next time, boys, we'll catch you in the next podcast. All right, Sam. Yeah, thanks for that, mate. No worries. Thank you. That was that was yeah. Was that was really good. Um, We'll we'll definitely reach out to you, and we'll get these will be up next week on Tuesday and Thursday, I think. So, okay, um, next Tuesday, Thursday, yeah. Yeah, man. But we'll keep in touch. Have a good session. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. No, it was great. See you later. Take care, boys. Speak to you soon. Bye.